We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Guys, Tyler Tambolin here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for another Monday video. We're going to do the review process for the RBC Heritage. At the end, we'll do a forward look at this week's tournament with the new DraftKings pricing that just came out this morning. And yeah, a lot of good feedback. The Sunday video went well. For round four showdown, I saw a couple guys in the Discord had a good run out there. You know, it was late round four that it turned out where you sort of had to play web. We faded them a little bit in the main showdown, but uh, overall, pretty good video on Saturday. And then got some good feedback on this one from last week as well. Had to don a little bit of black clothing today, just as sort of a memorial or a funeral for some of my lineups this past week. We'll get into that, but uh, it wasn't the best overall week for me. Hit on a lot of the right guys, just didn't have them together in the right, you know, sort of the puzzle pieces together in the right spot. So, uh, looking forward to this week. I should have let everybody know again who wasn't on the video on Saturday. A uh, couple things. One, there could be a baby on the way here soon. So if that happens, obviously I'd have to run. I don't think it's the case today at this moment, but just in case. Uh, and yeah, maybe that dictates what you do in the Millie Maker this week. Because if I do have the baby beforehand and get in there, maybe a little baby swag will carry over. So I uh, didn't want to ruin all my run good last week or this week that just passed. But maybe in the next week, we'll get it going with the Millie Maker and some of the bigger tournaments that they dropped to uh, 888 to 3180. There's a couple of really nice ones out there on DraftKings this week on top of $5 drive the green, the $3, $4, 20 max tournaments, the $9 slice, just a lot of good fields, a lot of good prize pools for you guys to take advantage of. So for those of you that didn't join us here last week on the first video, just going to do a quick run through, just starting on the main page here, rotogrinders.com. Uh, when you do get to the main page, all you're doing for what I'm, you know, I'm sort of reverse engineering and or deconstructing lineups and going back through some of the winners, you're going to go to the PGA tab. You're going to scroll down to results DB. At the top here, you're going to change the date to the previous Thursday. In this case, it's the 18th. It brings up and recognizes golf. We're definitely going to talk about our man, Nate Knox, here. Uh, biggest winner. Contests, you go in here. And then here's all the options you can see, uh, you know, essentially everything about them. Who was the winner of them? We're going to talk about Fantasy Flop, Workman H. Nate Knox, as I mentioned a couple times, you know, big congrats to him. We'll get to it. But uh, yeah, this shows you by the buy-in. You can sort of go back and just see. And I talked about in the last one, like you don't always necessarily want to look at just what the winner did. That's sort of what we're going to look at here and just see what that result was. That is 
very, you know, results oriented. It's small sample sizes. I get all that. And it's not for everybody. I find it helps me because you want to see sort of what the winning construction looked like. But then, like I said, to you guys in last week's video, and I'll say it again here is I still would say to go back and sort of look at their pools and go into the ownership tab as we get there. So I'm going to start this week. I'm going to go down here. Um, it's the $3 or sorry, the $333 three entry max. And I've got it up here. I played in that this week. Uh, like I said, a lot of dead lineups. This was another one. Sung J M, uh, didn't really come through in the clutch for me as he always has. I know he was already out practicing sort of what, uh, you know, how they're stuck in place. Once they get to a tournament, they got to hang around. So it's funny to see, but Sung J's, you know, the M I M stands for Iron Man. He's still out there. Even after a miscut on Saturday, practicing with all the guys he doesn't even get to go out and have a tea time but he's just that much of a grinder so expect him to be back this week we'll probably talk about him later on in the show when we get to this week's pricing but this was my best lineup it was the only one that really had a shot to make my week uh and then it really didn't pan out because of the m status you know the m result but if you look here sung jay miscut 24.5 points i had burger he was only three percent in this tournament it goes up a little bit in some of the other ones but a lot of people didn't want to use them in these higher dollar you know, bigger buy-in, whatever you want to call it, builds because it's just a little bit more risky. But I thought, you know, he's in full control of his game. I'm a little disappointed he withdrew from this week because I thought it could carry over and really people wouldn't want to play him three weeks in a row. So I uh, was happy to have him here. That was a great score from him. The interesting part was I topped 10 in this with no web and a Sung JM miscut. I mean, there's still $10,000 up top. It would have definitely made my week. But uh, yeah, going through the rest of it, Gary Woodland, who I loved, had a good first couple days, didn't have it on the weekend, didn't perform for his price tag. Terrell Hatton, we know had it. He sort of faded out at the end, but loved him. He was a, a play I talked about on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, had him written up, everything on Noto Grinders as a, a play at 8,000 straight. Obviously, answer was just as fine there at the same price and did better, but you could add them both. I, I sort of liked spacing it out. Uh, Poulter, who I'm always a fan of, he was high-owned. It was sort of that just play him everywhere. He He actually... Uh, I don't believe we'll get to it in a second. I don't believe, you know, he didn't end up on the optimal, but really good for his price with 106 points at 7,600. It was because of guys like Neiman, uh, Neiman again, 3%. So just back to talking about this a little bit before we get into the rest of the guys here and what they did, um, look at my construction and it's sort of the one I talk about quite a bit. Uh, if you follow me in the past on the fantasy golf to generous podcast or any previous places that I've done content at, it's sort of the structure that I'm not forcing in, but if you look at the overall ownership, it just sort of naturally happens where I've got two guys that are really high chalk that I love. You know, I'm, I'm good with their price. They've got the ability to have upside. They may or may not kill me with a miscut at 84, 7,600. Obviously, it hurts the overall, but I'm just saying it's when you're building, you don't know who's going to make the cut. You're just trying to build for as strong of a lineup as possible. Clearly here, five out of six, I would not have bet that it would have been Sungjae that would have burned me as far as a miscut's concerned. So uh, just the way she goes, but Ian Poulter, 31%. Gary Woodland, 21 after that, I'm looking to have two sort of mid-tier guys, and I got that in Hatton at 15 and Sungjae at 16. Again, not specifically saying they have to be 15 to 16, just sort of below that 20 threshold. And then I want to get at least one, if not a couple. I didn't actually expect Neiman to be necessarily this low. I liked him. I liked his tag. He'd had a okay week the week before, but just was missing it around the greens with the putter and whatnot. Obviously, that got a lot better this week for him, and it turned around. He had a chance to get there at the end. You know, I had a nice 90 to one ticket on him with the each way. So uh, not much there to, you know, I had a lot of trigger happy bets in game when, you know, with the father's day special and the uh, guys come from behind there, try to get on some of these big bets on Saturday night, something like JT 200 to one or something. I thought maybe that'd be a good opportunity, but yeah, it didn't pan out. So 
Uh, if you look, just overall construction, I wanted to show you that first. That was definitely my best shot. No web, M miscut, smaller field, bigger buy-in, but that was a chance to more than make my week with the uh, first couple prizes. Going up to the leader, these guys, like you see, will they're blowing the field out because they've got six out of six. That's really kind of all it took here. If you look at uh, you know the guy at the top, Br Gaber, Justin Rose, great play, Webb, Kucher, Answer, Fitzpatrick, Poulter. So you know similar with the one play there, but again the three percent guy, the twelve percent guy. What I did take away from this, and one thing I would just say, maybe it's a mistake or a leak, and sometimes you get a little bit too cute. And this is all hindsight, guys. But if you guys followed me for my plays last week, the sort of guys that I was on, not saying I would have used them. I just you see sort of here maybe you know, with two, 3% plays in my lineup, the thing I look at after is like, well, what could have been? And everyone has the two V2s. I'm not the guy that sit there. If I had just done this two V2, it's that. I didn't do it. It's bottom line. You got to get better, figure it out. But you should be analyzing your game and looking into these types of things. And in all reality, sort of the plays that I would have looked to change would have been my other, you know, I loved Webb. If you look at my Millie Maker overall ownership, Webb and M were my two highest. I could have afforded to have a guy like Webb in here, being that I already had Daniel Berger and Neiman. Drop that down $700, and then you can bring up a guy like, uh, you know, Hatton or Woodland or even or something like that. You can make some swaps in this lineup to be able to have some of those plays that, that could have been a little bit better and boost yourself. But is what it is. I just wanted to go through something like that. Back to the winning lineup. As I said, you could have more of that chalk. So his choice was to go with Webb, Poulter, sorry, Poulter 31, Kucher 34. That's sort of all high, even Fitzpatrick is high, but when you've got Answer and Rose in there a little bit lower and they come through with 125 and 100, you're still able to get there. So the takeaway would be that in the higher dollar, lower field size, you can still get a little bit more than what me, more of like a Millie Maker style lineup with two guys under 5%, two mid-range, and just really avoiding the top-heavy chalk. It can pay off, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying at the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily what you need. You can get away in these smaller fields with a little bit more of that chalk, as long as you got sort of an outlier or two that do the job. And if you think about safety and upside, this lineup has it all. Rose, Webb, Kucher, Poulter, Fitzpatrick, guys we like, and then Answer a little bit, and that's why he's 3%, but we know Answer has been coming around. He's got the moxie for you know these big, strong fields, like him at some of the majors going forward, just thinking about that stuff, how you can get around some of those courses, and came through in a big way. I think he hit every green, uh, just a crazy finish. Someone, I think it was uh, Justin Ray, posted the stat that Answer had uh, the first ever out of the last 38 times someone's had a 54 hole lead and shot a 65 on Sunday, 37 previous times th- they won the tournament answer shoots a 65 comes in second to the hot, hot web putter from Friday that carried over after the break. I don't think the break helped the guys that were up top. They were still pretty dialed in guys like Webb were sort of struggling. They got the break a little bit of dew on the greens from the, the weather that came in. And then, of course, came out just firing web out like six of the last seven birdies, everything going on there. So uh, shout out to BR Gaber. That's a great lineup for him. Going to jump over now to the one, and this is the one, you know, people laugh at and say, why are we analyzing the Millie Maker? It's, you know, luck box, whatever. I get all that, but it's still a couple things. One, want to see what the winning builds look like. Obviously, if you're going to play it, you should still be sort of seeing what style of build gets there. Want to, you know, congratulate him for sure. Nate Knox, Nathan Elliott at, at Nate Knox on Twitter. Great guy. Follower of the community. You know, if you want to talk about DFS golf Twitter or the golf industry, whatever you might want to call it, uh, you know, a supporter, a great guy around there. He's been around a long time. Grinding away. Uh, I'm not sure if he got the ticket from Mayo, but I know Mayo was giving away some tickets and he had his notes in there. I'm not sure if he was one of the hundred winners, but if he was even, even more cool to see. But yeah, blew the field away. One time, I think it's the first time I've ever seen this actually. 
you know, guys out there that post the optimal lineups, Nate Knox had the optimal lineup. This was the best lineup you could make with last week's pricing and scoring, 743.5, blew the field out with only three entries. Amazing job to him. Uh, you look at what it was. It was Webb, Berger, Kepka, Answer, Hatton, Neiman. You look at the build, again, Chalk, Webb, Chalk, Hatton, both good plays. Those prices for a reason. I mean, Hatton had one at the API. The only downfall to him was he was coming off of a long break. He hadn't played the week before, but again, the, the talent was always there, and it turned out 8,000. Webb, we knew, uh, you know, I joked with somebody on Twitter, it was sort of the Will Fuller 2.0 for those of you that play NFL. It's the guy that you're just going to keep chasing if they want to drop his price, and I didn't expect a win out of it, but by all means, you know, a, a good week and a made cut, and sure enough, comes back with 145 points in the win. So huge there. On the burger play, as I mentioned, in the larger field, he was definitely up there some more. People are taking some more risks and some chances. We'll talk about overall build construction in a second. Kepka, just a, you know, ridiculous price, 8,600. You know, again, had to show something, but we talk about getting talent in your lineups at decent ownership, 11% with upside. He sure as hell had it at 8,600. Uh, and then answer, I mentioned it before, I was sort of hatting over answer. That was wrong, but easily could have just played both. And it makes sense because, you know, the ownership discount was almost half, same price, probably the same talent and upside. And in, in the end, it panned out. So uh, good for him there. And then Neiman, 2.5%. Again, I don't know, like you saw, I had him in the other one. I, I think it was a great play last week. Uh, I liked him a lot better, even than a guy like Connors, who still had a good week. But on the Fantasy Golf Generous podcast with Kenny, I, I talked about Neiman over Connors. I talked about Hatton over answer, which again was wrong, but you could have played both. The one I got wrong was Sungjae on one of my main pivots. But again, congrats to Nate Knox. He's an RG member. Shout out to him. Uh, love to see it. I mean, that's what you want to see. I texted him and congratulated him sort of when it looked like it was the optimal. I didn't want to jinx him, but I said, you know, I want to see this happen, man. Like, let's make it happen. And at the end of the day, uh, he had said he was going to hockey. So I don't even know if he got to sweat it. I haven't chatted to him since, but he said he was headed out to hockey and he wasn't going to be able to really check it out too much, but he had everybody that was up there. Again, three lineups, three entries only. That's a, a fantastic job. It takes a lot to get there, but again, he's been grinding for a long time. So happy for him and his family. Happy to see this result. Shows us all, you know, keep grinding away and you can get there. couple notes on it. He used 49.9 is what it is. We've talked about, you know, that last week. Look, 49.7, 50, 50, 50. Uh, Jay Rosini, that's DFS Golfer 23 on Twitter over at Osimo. He's a, another guy that's just been playing, grinding forever. Uh, a sixth place finish here is an amazing result. Uh, he made fun of himself a little bit because he joked on Twitter about how these payout structures are, are what they are and you shouldn't be whining because you, you can only, you know, you play to win and then he comes in fifth and comes away with 8,500, which I know he's not pleased with, but, you know, money's money and he had a shot. It was right there. I think if Hatton had made it or he mentioned to me, he used 49.9 and uh, it could have been Kepka over DJ and it would have been a solo. Well, I guess they would have chopped it up him and, Elchi spawn would have chopped up second for 75k a piece. So again, nice result. Good for him. You look at it though, like I said, again, all these lineups, I know 80% of the tournament uses this price, but again, it just shows you don't have to get crazy. I saw a lot of guys, you know, you go through and look at sort of some of the people's pools and they're doing, you know, 49, 48.5 to 49.4 or something just to make sure they have those uniques. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's makes sense completely. They're making sure that if they hit, they're going to win. Can those lineups hit? Absolutely. So all the power to them. I'm just saying it shows time and time again, based on the odds of everyone putting that much salary into their lineup, that these are the ones that come away. But the real result or the overall thing to look at is the construction and the ability to be unique still while using the salary. That's more the key that I look at, right? Can I be unique still and get some of that extra value in there? You know, look at all the guys he packed in. Like I said, Simpson, 
Kepka, Hatton, Neiman, Answer, Berger. These all have upside. They all can make cuts and win tournaments. So, um, you know, Answer, not yet. He's looking for his victory. Like I said, he got sort of pulled away there. But he has won overseas, the Australian Championship, things like that. So I think, uh, you know, other than that, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it was a great lineup um, or a great way to do it. The one thing I wanted to point out was roster construction. And, you know, last week, a lot of us talked about we knew balanced was going to be popular. I think a lot of guys on Twitter had some fun with it and posted out. They're even posting, you know, full lineups just to joke around and say, like, imagine getting all these guys that you could get. There was, you know, 55,000 last year to roster all these guys in a lineup and you can get them for 50 with your, you know, it was Day, Ricky, Brooks, DJ, all these guys that have the upside. Now, a lot of them hadn't been playing great lately and it showed again with Day and Ricky and, you know, DJ bounced back, which was awesome to see. And we'll talk about him maybe for this week. But in general, it was just a, you know, sort of funny to see that. And then everyone said, yeah, but I think you got to look at it like these fields are stronger than normal. You've got, you know, Sung Jay, Matsuyama, who we haven't seen at 95, 97. And then up from there, you had a bunch of plays with, I know Morikawa and Xander weren't as popular. And that proved itself to be true. Mind you, Xander had a really great Sunday. So it could be interesting for this week, dropping back down below the five-figure tier. But then when you've got Rory, JT, um, who else, Rom. Bryson, who was popular, all those guys up there, it was pretty tough to really settle in on these without, you know, just making those within your pool as an allotted amount versus Nate Knox who said, forget it, I'm rolling with it. I only got three and I'm going with my best guys and it worked out and paid off. So again, huge for him. But I mean, you start with Webb and go down. That was just crazy. It's an awesome build, right? You, you didn't have anybody over 9K. So no Rose, no Matsuyama, no M. And then of course, nobody in the upper tier at all. So uh, awesome to see that payoff. And that's, again, that's how you get unique while still using all the salary. So uh, cool, cool to see. Definitely, like I said, shout out to Nate Knox. The one I'll jump over to, the $3.20 max. We did it last week. But if you look, uh, of course, same winner. Blew the field away, had the optimal. So there's a little bonus money on top, right? Maybe uh, take care of the fam or do whatever with that money and then put the rest away. I don't know if he's going to go up in stakes. I'll talk to him and see. But I think, uh, you know, again, just a, another way to show, you know, it's not, you don't have to have all the money in the world to be able to get into these things and, and have them maxed out. He had that one maxed out and cool to see again. I didn't even notice this till now, but he's got 20 there and three here duplicated. He picked the right one. So that's another nice factor. And I, I think it's a good one to pick. Like I said, it made a lot of sense from a lineup construction and just the build of who was in it, the, the chalk versus not the overall, you know, leaving a hundred bucks on the table, all those little things added up. So again, congrats to him, but let's jump into a little bit uh, of the bigger stuff now. So Want to talk about this one here. Had a couple Roto Grinders members reach out. Sammy Davis Jr. in, in tied for second. Uh, he's Kay Barnhill on the forums. Been a longtime member. Great guy. I remember, you know, talking with him before back in the day on the forums. So uh, shout out to him. That's a, a huge score, 55,000. And Jay Cujo, you know, he gave uh, myself and Card some props. Probably watched the show last week. Saw us on there. And just good to see what they put together. You know, not to take away from the winner. Biggest congrats to Fantasy Flop 23, 150,000. For top prize, but it was cool to see these guys were right there in the mix. Uh, I was not. St. Louis Cards was, and the funny thing is, is, if you look at Cards lineup down in tenth, Rose, Webb, Kucher, Hatton, Fitzpatrick, Hadwin, three hundred bucks on the table. Rose, Webb, Kucher, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. Use the money again. If you look at it, I'm guessing you know nothing wrong with this. I love you know what Cards did here. The way to get unique is he doesn't really want to use that high chalk piece. As the last one, in this case, it paid off. It's nothing wrong with it. This is, you know, Polter was by far a great play. We all loved him in the filters on lineup HQ. I think, you know, even Cal Spears, Roto Grinders, joked, uh, CEO joked with us and said, uh, you know, is, do I just go all in Polter and see what happens? We all kind of joked back and said, 
that's uh, that should end well, right? We'll see what happens. But you know, with that, it worked out 106 points. Everybody except Kucher, which Kucher made a run on Sunday to still get to 90.5 for these guys. And I'm looking at theirs because they're members and they reached out. I want to, you know, give them some props here. But again, look at the build. They used one above Webb in rows, but still very balanced. The difference is, and what I love about their construction, as I said, I don't think these are all for naught. I don't think it's a waste of time looking at these builds and sort of deconstructing these and going back and seeing what people did. Because if you look, they left off some of the 8K guys. I know that sucks because you leave out answer or whatever, but one, you don't need as big of a score here. 676 took it down versus 743. But again, you look at the Millimaker winning lineup, there's four 8K guys. And you go back over here. And again, we'll go to the winner for a second. He had three 8K guys, which was also unique. We'll go back to his lineup in a second. But here, look, yeah, two nines, two eights, two sevens. So very unique, first off the top because of that build, but also didn't commit to anything where it was just like, okay, I'm going to fade all the top and do all 9K, 8K, like all mixed with the one that I showed in the Millimaker winner. He said, I'm going to mix two, two, and two to keep that balance in place. Uh, with the ownership, the other thing is here, you can actually get a little bit more chalky. Right, if you look at the overall lowest owned guy on the lineup was Justin Rose at seventeen point five seven. Still got there with a six fifty nine fifty. You go to the winner now for a second again. Congrats to those guys: Jay Cujo, Sammy Davis Jr., K Barnhill on the forums. Uh, pretty active, awesome job, guys. I know it came at a perfect time for Jay Cujo. Love to see it. That's what we want to do here. That's why we're trying to bring you this content to more so than give you the plays or the picks or the lineups. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you the strategy, the ability, just some ideas to think through. So if you, you know, if you don't like this, or you don't think it's good or helpful, you don't have to watch. That's the good news, right? You can come back for a different show and tune into the premium ones or whatever to, to try and find out more. But I do think it's kind of cool to look back at this stuff and just see what some people did and talk through it. If you do look at the winning lineup back to that style. And again, I still don't, you know, I, he's the winner. There's not to say good or bad. I'm talking, he did well. He won the tournament. I'm talking more of, you know, using back to my 333 example, where I use sort of a Millie maker style, I'm mad at myself, sort of a leak in my game in that perspective of going with this style in something like a $333 100 man because you don't need to be that unique. In something like this, I'm not totally against it. I know I just showed you that you can go as you know this type of ownership strategy and still get there because anything could happen. But I still like this build style better in my mind for a tournament like this where there is 1,200 entries you're still going to have to beat some of that chalk. You're not going to, you know, normally you're going to have to fade some of it and then on, and make some stands. And on top of that, you're not going to want to have very many dupes. So he left a hundred bucks on the table. He used two guys under 10%. He's got burger at 6%. So you see a little bit of balance there from the Millie maker. It went down in the higher stakes and then Sergio at 6.66%. And, and again, Sergio at 73. Love that play. Happy to see it. You know, guys like Sergio speed, we give him a hard time. Mickelson, all these dudes, Still good to see them when they bounce back. They're good for the game. The more they're involved, the better. The better the fields are, the stronger, the, the more we get like Sunday. If you guys watched and love golf, you know the last two weeks have been fantastic. I know those leaderboards aren't really a surprise for some of us because you look at how strong the field is, what more could you expect? But at the same time, that you know, the, all these guys playing great golf is what leads to that. So, uh, you know, the bunched up finishes, the anybody can win at any shot, how much they matter more. The only thing we're missing is the fans. We haven't missed them too much because, uh, you know, it's been great golf either way. And the fans have actually made it so it's a lot faster. The golfers are getting through the rounds a lot quicker. The fans aren't slowing it down. So, you know, guys joked about it a little bit on Twitter and, and out there. But I think it's kind of true. You know, we bash on guys for slow play. And then we realize when there's no fans there, they're actually not even playing that slow. It's typically sometimes because of all the movement and the waiting for this, that, and the other. So uh, back to the lineup, fantasy flop. The web build at the top is where he started. 
the three 8K guys and the two 7K guys, I mean, it's again, it's a unique build because he had lower owned pieces, left 100 bucks on the table. They all did well. You know, Dustin Johnson could have been Kepka for him as well, just like we joked about earlier with the Millie Maker, with Jay Rosini, with, with Jason Ruslan there. You, you have a factor there, but he didn't need it. So it's all good. He got there, but just to sh- goes to show, again, there was more ways to get there in the end. Uh, you know, great build. Webb, Berger, DJ, Kucher, Fitzpatrick, Sergio. The risk to me was in Sergio and then a little bit in DJ, but DJ bounced back and he had to expect that. He's a, a hometown boy from the Carolinas area. You know, he spends a lot of time there in that sense, you know, with family and whatnot. He played well there the last few years. He just didn't pan out on a Sunday. Last year he had a 77 on Sunday, but he was right in the mix. We even got to watch. That was kind of agonizing to remember that when there was the red weather delay and they bring back last year's version, you had to go back and watch that again. So props to Fantasy Flop 23, 150K large. Again, shout out to Jay Cujo and Sammy Davis Jr. That's just, again, how they built their lineups. And then the last one before we go into next week's pricing, guys, I want to talk about it again. Another big field. There's a, a bigger version of this this week, $3,180 with only 100 people um, interested in that because, again, it, it pertains to the bigger bankrolls. But if you look at first, second, and third prize in that one, and even in this one was the same, first, second, and third here is the same as second, third, and fourth in the Millie Maker, right? So, you know, pretty much, at least give or take. So uh, don't mind this if you got the bankroll for it. I do like looking at what they might do here. Shout out again to Cards. I think he had five lineups in here, and I can see of at least, I think he cashed three of them, which was at least profit in this tournament no matter what, because he looks like uh, down here in 28th, 15th for 5K, and then 11th for six. So he had a lot of upside out there. Left a little bit on the table, but, uh, you know, another good week for him, I'm imagining. I'll talk to him after this to see, but at least in this tournament, he was clear of the, the profit levels. And, and then you go to the winner here. So Workman H, going to start with him because he won the tournament. Four entries, $100,000. Not not a bad Sunday. You know, put your 8000 and change in, come back with hundred k. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, look at the build. Again, what I like about this, totally unique build. We just saw that the other ones, first off, you don't need as many points as the other ones, but it also goes to show... There's more than one way to get there. If you look here, not to go back and forth, but it's 665 for the takedown. 665 would have been good for second in this tournament here of the 555. But if you look at how he built in the Millie Maker, we just looked at it. They're all with Webb or with Rose or those guys starting down. He had to have Webb, of course, still had Webb, but he started with JT. So again, takes a little bit more moxie, a little bit more risk to get there, but it's a different style build. Webb. Uh, sorry, JT, Webb, then you get your Hatton Fitzpatrick in there that are pretty popular. That's fine. But then you got Hovland, who's unique. Uh, Hovland instead of Poulter, he would actually end up with a, four more points with Poulter. But I think, again, same thing. When you look at these guys and how they're building it, not wanting to eat that chalk for that price. I'm not sure uh, if someone up here has him. Let's have a quick glance through. Should have been more prepared. Yeah, look at that. Almost 30%. So, well, it paid off. When he's building, he doesn't know that beforehand, obviously. So just looking at it, he says, why not take the pivot to a guy who's been playing well, who's competed in these strong fields, who if he makes it a Sunday, we know he's going to do it again. I mentioned it in the showdown video on Saturday. Hovland with another, I think it was a 66 this Sunday. He just doesn't stop with two Eagles, by the way, on Sunday. So huge for Hovland, 102 points overall. And then Neesmith, he pulled the trigger on it. I was surprised to see Neesmith 6% here. He was sort of a darling around the industry, a couple guys mentioning, but again, it takes some stones to pull the trigger on it. I did use them in one of my 555s. I, I loved them that much. I thought the familiarity with the course, nothing to do with him getting engaged. We heard that 
over and over the proposal and whatnot. I don't really care about any of the narrative stuff, but more so the factor of living there, playing it a million times, being comfortable with it, and how a game his game had looked coming in a little bit from before the break even was all there. So I thought, great play. And for him to have him in here and to be on the winning lineup, I love to see that. So uh, overall, again, you look at the build. Heavy chalk, heavy chalk. I mean, this could say 19.99, and it would pretty much fit. Obviously, people are a little bit uh, more on, guys. The bigger dogs like JT, when you get into the bigger buy-ins, they, they've got a little bit more trust in this stuff. But uh, JT could have been 19. It would have fit that build I talked about earlier where it's two guys over 20, two in the mid-range. In this case, it's technically three, but that's fine. Uh, and then you're one guy down low here with Matthew Neesmith of 6%. Again, 176 entries, guys. This just proves to my factor earlier of where I said, like, I, I made a little bit of a mistake, learned from it, hopefully, is that I think it was fine. He wasn't going to have two guys under 10%. He didn't really need that. Well, it was four points less being results-oriented. It had no issue. Hoblin and Poulter were very good plays, both a great pivot here, still worked out, chopped the ownership in half which helped him, again, if he hadn't been in this position, at least he would have had still the unique lineup. And then you got Matthew Neesmith, who he took the shot on as the one low-owned guy uh, and the low price guy at 6600 So again, cool to see. Totally different build. I'll leave you with one more. TJL5124 uh, just joined the team, and he's got, I believe he's on the podcast today with uh, Dean. Just want to go through it. He had a pretty big weekend for himself. Uh, talked about sort of his single bullet strategy and all that stuff. Uh, this morning I was checking it out. And you've got Webb, Woodland, Kucher, Finau, Answer, Hatton. Again, back to the structure of it. I know it came third and not second or anything. It was right up there. But look at this. Chalk Webb. And we know he got there. He's the winner. I'm not pointing out that, you know, obviously the good chalk hit. That's the, you know, that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. I'm just looking at overall build again. And you look, chalk, 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 chalk at the bottom. Finau, not so much. Sort of like his Hovland play to work man H as the winner. And then answer at 5%, sort of to the factor of Neesmith at 6%. It's just the build style. If you look how he did it, completely different. He went back to the structure of the other guys, and he went even more aggressive. He didn't use anybody below 8. He started at web and then used five guys in the 8K range. Just a perfect build. I love it for having one build. I especially like it because he's saying, look, I'm going to go with my six best guys. I'm going to take a little bit of the risk versus reward out of it. I'm not going to get a Neesmith in there or a JT and not worry about that. I'm going to play the guys I think are the best. I'm going to play the guys that have great cut making odds, guys that have done well in tournaments, perform well in all of them. You look at it, you know, Webb, Gary, Kucher. Um, we talked about Answer not having his, but then Fina, who always contends, almost like Answer in that way, but he has won the Puerto Rico Open. And then Hatton, again, we talked about had a little bit of scare because hadn't played in a while, but by far was one of the best value plays on the entire slate. So, uh, amazing build for TJL5124. Excited to see what he's continuing to do here at Roto Grinders. Thought it would be a good way to leave it with that. And then we'll jump over. So uh, for as far as the recap video goes, guys, like I said, give me some more feedback, other things you want to see. I like looking at it. I like looking at the builds, the structure. I like deconstructing the lineups. Um, maybe in the future videos, I'll go a little bit more into something I didn't show you, but just going to ownership. And it probably better. Let me flip over here to the Millie for a second. If you go to ownership here, just to show you, you can go to Nate Knox and you can see his pool. You mark it by this. And it's basically going to show who he had the most of and who, you know, what he had of each guy. It's easy for this one with three lineups, but he was all in on Hatton and Berger. And then you can see how that breaks down throughout the rest of his lineups. He had some co-crack, some posting. Kisner and him were in a lineup. They missed the cut. So, I mean, he had, he was no different than me or anybody else in that sense. He still tried those guys and it didn't really work out. But if you go down here and we'll go back to Jay Rosini, 
I think this one's interesting too, because I believe I looked at it and he only had like two web lineups. And obviously you need a web to get there, but let's go down and see. Yeah, look at this, 2% web. And one of them happened to be the best one. So again, it just goes to show you only need one, but he had a good pool, right? He had a good overall pool and that's what, you know, that's what worked out in the end. So um, click off that. We'll spend some more time on that in the future. I think the idea is just to show you that there's different ways to get there, but you'll also be surprised in some cases by how many guys, different guys use within their pools. Back to this, you know, the talk with cards and I last week, and I'm excited for this week to try with a much tighter pool. You know, what I look back after talking to cards, you know, in too deep a little bit. You know, I always say once I got some of my content out a little bit earlier here at Roto Grinders now, I want to build my lineup. So, uh, you know, get after them a little bit sooner with the baby on the way, that sort of thing. I'm trying to do my best to balance everything. And that's just sort of where I don't think it's necessarily a mistake. I mean, ownership is definitely important, but I've been doing this a little while and long enough to know. And I also don't mind, everyone says don't tinker. I don't mind tinkering a little bit on Wednesday night, the night before. I don't like the morning of because that's sort of just last minute, maybe gut stuff. But for me, Wednesday night, if I see Holy Smokes, I didn't expect these three guys to be this chalky. I expected those two, but not that one. I have no problem with going and finding those builds and just deleting them and starting over, getting to mess around with some more of my thoughts that are deeper in the week. So, and, and then I always save, you know, 30 to 50 if I'm maxing something for Wednesday night, just so I can get my best thoughts out there in, in my last sort of um, pool that I do. Like I mentioned the cards, I'll do it in sets of maybe 30 lineups at a time just to get some different thoughts and then keep those sets cored up because that way if my core hits within that 30 lineups, that's more than most people have in the, in the pool anyway. And then, like I said, this week, I'm going to go to a little different for it. Uh, I'm going to just try and get down to like 40 golfers like him and I talked about last week. He wants me to go a little more. I think he, he doesn't really care, but he was saying you could go you know, a little bit more if you wanted, but he thinks 40 is a little bit large. And we talked on the Wednesday show. I'm going to probably still do that. Thought about it a little bit more. If I don't have to leave for the baby and I'm still here on Wednesday, I'll be on with Drew Matthews, Red Kachik, uh, former Millie Maker winner, does great stuff over at Fantasy Golf Bag. He uh, will be on with me and we'll be going through some of that stuff just so you guys can see um, some of the stuff I'm talking about right now. I'm not going to get into that. Let's look, because uh, they have a show for it, but let's look at some of the pricing here. It popped out. So um, they've realized, you know, Bryson's got to keep going up. This course definitely suits Bryson a little bit better. He doesn't have to be as particular. He showed last week that he's got the all-around game, um, but he's right there with Rory McIlroy. So again, it's another interesting conversation. Do you play the guy that's looking great right now and, you know, beefy Bryson, whatever you want to call him, and all the protein shake talk and, and everything with that 11K price tag? Or do you play Rory, the number one player in the world who's had a couple of poor weeks, but not like he hasn't made the cuts or had an opportunity. He just hasn't played well. Uh, missed some good chances, but I mean, he bounced back from a really bad Friday. Last week, going to too many places, I apologize. Last tournament, he had a bad Sunday after three good rounds. That sucked, but it happened. This weekend just passed. He had a really poor first round. A lot of people thought dead, you know, he's out of it. I know he didn't he belong anywhere near a, a winning lineup. That didn't happen. But anyways, but the point was more is he bounced back really nicely. And then Sunday he fell apart again, but he had Friday, Saturday were solid days. So I thought maybe here it's going to be an interesting conversation. Tune into the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, which is also free, where Kenny and I will talk about all these pricing tiers. But just to hit through some of it, JT, Webb, Rom, Kepka. So there's six guys over 10K. Interesting conversation will be in this range again, Kepka, Rom. I mean, this is going to be much tighter pricing than we've seen. What I also notice in these, you know, in the past is the tighter pricing brings more congestion around certain guys. So I think where we've seen the last couple of weeks where the chalk has been more spread out, like we knew Webb would be chalk 25 to 30%. That wasn't a surprise by any means. But what I'm saying is I think we also, after that, you had a lot of those guys in that 10 to 15 range. 
I don't think you'll see that as much. You'll always have guys in that range. I'm saying I think at different areas, you'll see more clusters. Like depending on what people do, Cantlay's just coming back. Xander had a rough outing. Rom, people aren't so sure on he he really should be a good bounce back candidate, but people might not be on it. People love what they saw out of Kepka. So does Kepka get a lot more love here than what we've seen in the past few weeks where it's really spaced out between Rom, Kepka, great golfers, and Cantley and X? That's where I'm talking about. Excuse me, you could see some more congestion. So we'll talk about that on the podcast with Kenny and I. Going down, I mentioned Cantley there coming back. He's coming back from a uh, a long layoff, so we'll see how he does, but he's definitely a good fit for the course. Uh, DJ, we got, you know, what do you want to do with him? He bounced back. Rose continues to look good. Markel was a scary. He almost missed his first cut, but he made it through. But who's going to go back to him when you got Answer right there, who just played amazing, and then Casey, who's also making his comeback and really crushes this course. So the course history truthers will be on the next two in Casey and Bubba. I kind of like, you know, the Reed M bounce back. Both were playing great golf. Both fit the course, in my opinion. I think if they're going to be lower owned and you're going to see very heavy congestion on a guy like uh, Casey or Watson, you could easily go to Reed and M. I'm all here for that. Spieth is back, they said. I think he's back to the drawing board more like it. He's uh, had a really rough Sunday. Uh, it just didn't work out for him. And I don't know, 8.4, you can go after it again. I kind of like the Woodland Finau play in this range. Fitzpatrick, Leishman, all these guys have upside. Again, here we go. We'll see some congestion here, right? You got Neiman, Poston, Hovland, Poulter, all just played very well. Not saying to fade them. I think there's going to be some good plays in there. You got to decipher and really make some calls, and then we're going to have to see what ownership looks like. But I can see some congestion in this range. And if you know, just looking at it early and speaking to it a little bit, it looks like if you have lineup builds that could avoid this range or maybe just use one of these guys, that might be unique enough to set yourself up for some success in tournaments. Again, Monday. My time, it's 1.30. It's, it's early in the day, 1.35 here. So I'm not saying this is the be-all, end-all, but it's just an overview to look at it as we go down. Some more plays. You know, Bradley's back in the field. This area looks like it's going to get extremely overlooked. You'll still have Harmon and Connors get some love, but no one really wants to play Day, even though he's at a good price. And then you got these guys just don't really get played very often. Bradley, Kokrak, Palmer, Reavy. Last year's winner, Reavy, but how popular will he be? Hasn't been playing great in the first couple outings. Horschel, Snedeker, Louie, nobody wants to play any of these guys. Grace, and just burned everybody. I'll go back to him. Uh, you know, Fratelli had a great round, but can he keep that up or was it a one-hit wonder? Varner, you know, bounced back to not having a great event after having a really good one. Nah, supposedly back in the field. We'll see. He hasn't withdrawn yet, but he was. He did basically get out a couple weeks ago because of, you know, what looked like a bad back or he missed the cut, I should say, and then sort of pulled out of the next one, which we expected. So is he really good in two weeks? We've seen the past where that's happened. He's bounced back and won. So uh, I'm not really sure about him yet, but just to give you an idea. And then at the bottom, you got all these other plays. You know, Mr. 58 himself, Jim Furyk, shot a 58 at this very course. 7K straight, burned everyone last week. Homa Glover played really well. Could you go back to a Furyk, even though it seems like these tournaments are going to score quite well and he normally doesn't have the upside. You like him at something more of a minus 13, minus 14 type finish because he doesn't really go off, but he can show, he's shown that he can here right? The 58 alone shows you what he could do in, in a single round. So lots of opportunity there. Then dropping down, you got some guys in this range that have been popular recently. You know, Danny Lee, Rogers, Moore. Are people going to play Phil at 6,900? Lowest price I've seen him in who knows when. Like that's sort of the lowest I've ever seen. So guys, we will dig back into this a lot more. You know, Kenny and I go through it on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. As I've mentioned, tune into that show. Check us out. Anything else you have to offer? Like I said, hit me up on Twitter at Tambo. 
Find me in the Discord. Let me know what you liked, didn't like. What can I do more of? Happy to help and do it. Love doing the show on Mondays. Uh, anything else, just let me know. Other than that, good luck, and hopefully to see you guys on Wednesday for the premium show with Red, Red Kachik, Drew Matthews, and myself.